We continue in our daily Bible reading on this Friday as we move to Matthew chapter 22. Now we're getting closer to the time when Jesus is going to go to the cross for us and and rise from the dead. And so the stakes are getting higher. Jesus has been involved in ministry. And again, like I said yesterday, um, that's the beauty of reading this entire gospel of Matthew. You get a sense of that, of, of everything from the birth of Jesus to his baptism to the beginning of his ministry and then the the the, the rise in the, of his ministry and people following him, and then then some uh, being now starting to question him, and and it just kind of reminds me of where we're at in our world today too. You know, there are some of us who who follow him faithfully, but there are others who who fall away. Uh, Jesus continues to reach out to them, which is a good example to us of what we need to be doing too. Uh, remain faithful to the truth uh, and keep that truth. Uh, but be willing to be counter to the world and be willing to have others disagree with us, but but not give in to the truth that we know uh, from Scripture. So Jesus describes in parables, using stories, uh, isn't it something oftentimes that a, a, a story about something else that relates to what are, what's going on in the kingdom of God are great ways for us to in, to teach the truth. Any any good speaker has learned that, that that the stories are a powerful way to teach a message. So Jesus used the parables to do that. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven. And again, remember when, when you hear that word king of heaven, think of the reign of God in the world. God reigns in your heart. You call him Lord. He's your master. And so that reign is happening in your heart. Um, that reign happens through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working in your life. So don't just think of the kingdom of heaven as, as just as just heaven. Ultimately, that's where the where it happens, but it's God reigning on this earth. How does that reign come about? Well, he uses you and me as, as witnesses of the truth uh, to, to tell about, uh, to be involved in, in uh, studying the word like we're doing right now in worship, uh, in baptism, and in Holy Communion. Those are all ways that, that God brings in that kingdom. And he used, Jesus uses a great example in that first uh, parable that we had there. Like, who wouldn't want to come to a wedding? Who wouldn't come to a place where it's a celebration of life, and there, there's going to be food, and there's going to be fellowship and fun together? And yet, the same is true in our world, that as we tell people about the kingdom of God and the reign of the Lord, um, it, it ought to be good news but but it isn't for everybody, and some people are going to reject that, and you see that in the uh, in the parable too. We're to reach out to everyone. Notice it says in verse ten that they went out to the good and the bad. I think that's really reference to the way we look at things, not the way God looks at things. God looks at every single person and sees a sinner there. There's bad there. He's the one that makes us good. He's the one that forgives. Um, and then that's the emphasis on that last part of the parable where the one comes and he doesn't have the wedding garment on. Now, that sounds really harsh on our part, but it kind of reminds me that the parables oftentimes had that shock value. Most of them did. Um, they kind of wake people up and say, whoa, what's going on here? And ask questions. Here's the answer to that. The wedding garment is symbolic of you and I can't come into the presence of God unless we have the white robe of forgiveness of Christ's righteousness. We can't appear before him there. And that's the point that he's making there is that is that we need that white robe of his righteousness that we have because of what Jesus did for us. And, and, we, and we have that by faith in him. Then the Pharisees come to try to trick Jesus uh, in the next portion, beginning at verse 15, Jesus sees right through them and actually uses this as a way to say, hey, God owns everything. God has called us to be good stewards of what we have. God has also established government for our good. So we have a loyalty both to 
first of all, to God, but then because of God who's established authority to paying taxes, being good citizens, because we want to let our light shine before others. We want to be the salt of the earth. Remember that back in uh, in Matthew, it's either Matthew 6 or 7, and to be the light of the world. Um, and so it's not a matter of one or the other. It's a matter of both. We're, we're, uh, we're to be there uh, on purpose. The Sadducees come to Jesus to ask a question about, well, you know, we can't figure out how in the world uh, can we, um, can we, after we die, be brought back to life in heaven? And uh, um, the questions about all the other questions that we bring up, like they bring up this ridiculous example of the brother who, uh, uh, or the woman who's been married to the seven brothers, which could have happened. Um, but, but Jesus says, look at the way he answers that, verse 29. He says, you are wrong. Why? Two reasons. Number one, because you don't know the scriptures um, like we're studying right now, which is the reason why we're in the Word. When you read about the Scriptures, you know that God established marriage. He also established family for our good, and that's why he set up that rule of if if uh, if a woman marries my older brother and my older brother dies, it's my responsibility, family responsibility, to take her as my wife, to have children through her. That's for the good of the family, so the family doesn't fall apart. And then he says, but you also don't know the power of God. In other words, in things that you can't figure out in your mind, you think, well, that can't be possible. Well, that's wrong. God has more power than you. God is more powerful than you. God is smarter than you, more knowledgeable than you. Um, we submit to his power. If God wants to work this out about, about uh, this uh, a woman who's married to these seven brothers, he's going to do it. You need to trust him. Can you figure that out? No, you can't with your little mind. But we learn to trust him. Um, and in the end, um, uh, you know, God's going God's to work that out. So then they, then they come to him with a spiritual question, and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to him. But you know what? They should have known better. Jesus doesn't make up some new rule when they ask him, which is the most important commandment. He simply quotes what's already been, what's already been written in the Old Testament. Love God and love your neighbor. Very simple. Um, and Jesus just simply reiterates that. So oftentimes when we ask questions of God, when, when we're, we, uh, we think we're confused, we just don't go back to the truth that we've always known. We think that there must be a new truth, or I don't like that truth, and so I'm going to try to change it. Jesus says, no, go back to the foundation of the Word of God, which again is what you're doing by being in Scripture, good for you, because that's where we're going to find a solid foundation, something that's not going to change every day. And so Jesus asks them this question uh, at the very end of the chapter about who he is. He is both God and he is both man. He's a descendant of David, but he is also the son of God. And again, that's one of those things that our little minds can't wrap around and figure out, but he is both. Thank God for that. He is, he is man in that he relates with our humanity. He takes our sin upon himself, but he is also God in that he has the power to conquer sin and death on our behalf. And it says at the end, no one is able to answer him. I wonder why, because he's God. But also, we can trust him because we know how much he loves us. Just take a look at that cross again and that empty tomb. So God bless you. Let's keep in that word.